So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Today, we're actually celebrating somebody who got free because of Jesus. Yeah, he did. And I know, I know that the world doesn't like to talk about this issue the way that we talk about it, but just so you know, <laughs> we're in the world, not of it. So <laughs> we're we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about the freedom that you can have as a believer in Jesus Christ with our guest uh, Darren Mel today. Darren Mel. Actually, uh, I've known him for, I think, about a year, a little over a year now. I actually uh, met him through a former guest, Stephen Black, who's with First Stone Ministries. And Darren turned it, tuned into our program when Stephen was on, talking about his testimony, getting free from homosexuality over 30 years ago. And uh, anyway, to make a long story short, Darren and I became friends, and we were talking about having him come on the show because he actually watches our show. One of the few people that watches our show who actually came on our show. And uh, recently, he was in Washington, D.C. for the Freedom March. I don't know. Put a one in the box if you've heard of this. Because if you watch the liberal mainstream media, you probably didn't because they don't talk about stuff like this. But what is the Freedom March? Darren is going to tell us today on Bible News Radio. So do me a favor. Share this out on social media, people, you know, because they spike us everywhere we go. <laughs> they do. And why? I mean, seriously, I'm sweet and lovable right there. See that? It's in writing. And I got gray hair, too. Just saying. <laughs> Darren, on the other hand, well, we'll see momentarily. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey. In all seriousness, I'm glad that you're here. And this is going to be a fun show because this is one of my favorite type of shows. I like this type of show because one of the things I don't think that the church does enough is I don't think that we testify of the good stuff. I think what happens is that we often look at all of the stuff out there um, like, like, this is what I did. I fell in some mud and yeah... I got all dirty, and it sucked. Oh, and by the way, yeah, I took a shower afterwards, and now I feel better. (laughs) I mean, you know what I mean? It's more dramatic to say this is all the stuff that I went through as opposed to, ooh, this is what happened when I got free, right? You know, I did a course, uh, I guess it was almost two years ago, called Your Secrets Are Not Secret, Stop Lying to Yourself. And one of the, and by the way, that course is still available over on Teachable. Um, But one of the things in that course that I point out is that to be a Christian, you walk supernaturally, right? In Galatians, it tells us that, uh, that we are set free to be free right? And that we walk supernaturally basically is what it says. Uh, But how many of us actually do that? You know what I mean? It's, it's not normal to walk that way. So uh, I don't know why I'm not hearing myself very well, bare face, but maybe it's this headset. I'm not sure. But anyway, any, wait, now I can hear myself way better. I could be too loud. No, that's good. It's louder than it was. So yeah, that's that's better. Okay. Anyway, so what I want you guys to do today is I really, you know, just be encouraged by the show because this this is going to be encouraging to you. Because here's what you're not going to see on the liberal media. You're not going to see Darren show up on TV unless he gets actually invited to a hostile network where they want to crucify him on the air. Uh, You're not going to see the footage from the Freedom March that took place because they don't want you to know that this stuff happens just like all the pro-lifers you know that go out and they they march for life down there usually in january around the anniversary of roe v wade they don't they don't want you to know the good stuff but we're all about good news here literally <laughs> so so darren mel is my guest and that's d-a-r-e-n 
M-E-H-L, just so you know. And, uh, and he is with the organization called Voice for the Voiceless, or is it Voice of the Voiceless? I don't know. But anyway, Darren, come on the screen. There you are. Hello. Hello. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. That's... Okay, so yeah, we should turn this down now because that's too loud for my head. Okay. All right. So what organization are you with? I forgot. Voice of the Voiceless. Voice of the Voice. Okay. Yes. Well, Bible News Radio. <laughs> Stace, you turned your mic level down, didn't you? Did I? No. I think so. Okay. Oh. How's that? That better? Oh, there we go. Can you, am I too loud now? Sounds great. Over you guys here. Can hear me? Okay. Now I can hear. Okay. That's what it was. It was my mic. Um, yeah. So Voice of the Voiceless has been around for a while, but that's kind of what this show is in a sense, because we put people on who... You know, nobody in the liberal media wants to hear from, by the way. How does that make you feel, Darren? Hmm. Um, I've, yeah, I've been raked through NBC News and, and the stuff. So, yeah, I get it. You're right. They don't really paint it in a good picture. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, welcome to our show for the first time. Glad you're here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, as you know, I only have super people on the show. So, you nailed it. Yeah, you did. Great. Thank you, Stacy. <laughs> okay, so uh, so this is your first time on my show, and you know Stephen Black, and you you. I do. In. He's a good friend. Yeah, you tuned in when he was on, um, and then you started. You told me your your story, so and um, that's where I'd like to start because first of all, you know I already know some of the criticism from the left is going to be, well, you're just a closeted homosexual, blah, blah. You know, oh, no, you're actually bisexual for real. You, mm -hmm. You're just suppressing it, you know, your former homosexual feelings are just repressed and you're blah, blah, and all that other stuff. So I would love to hear your story because we already know the enemy likes to attack truth, but I want you to share your what your truth is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my truth is founded in Jesus Christ and, and what he's done in my life. And, um, you know, a lot, I certainly have heard those, um, claims that, you know, you're really just a closeted gay man or you're denying yourself, which, you know, scripture says that we should deny ourselves, but, um, I don't need to go there right now. It's a Christian audience. Right. Um, and, and I've been told that, you know, I'm really bisexual. I'm just living with a woman now, or that I was never gay in the first place, which doesn't explain 10 years, um, of living the gay lifestyle and having, um, a boyfriend for several years. So my, my testimony, it, you know, I came to the Lord when I was uh, a teenager in high school and I was filled with the Holy spirit and I was reading scripture. You know, I, I fell in love with Jesus and reading scripture. I got to Romans and I realized that homosexuality was a sin. And at that time I was looking at uh, pornography. The internet had just come out and I had access to it and was looking not necessarily at pornography, but, um, as in video, but pornography as in images. And so um, I realized that that behavior was not in alignment with my faith and with what God called us to. Um, and so I brought that to my youth leader and, um, you know, I, I put the homosexuality before the Lord and, and tried to find an answer as to why I was struggling that way. And, and unfortunately at the time, as much as I, um, I love my church and my church loved me. They weren't equipped to deal with the issue. Um, and so the only answer that I got is, well, maybe you're supposed to be celibate the rest of your life, you know, and just fight the same sex attraction. You know, that was kind of the, the answer. And that was really depressing because, you know, I wanted to love and to be loved. And, um, and so I ended up um, pursuing a gay gay Christian identity. And I tried to buy into the um, doctrines of uh, gay Christianity. And it just didn't sit right because like I, I said, I came to know Jesus and was filled with the Holy Spirit before I even knew about my gay, uh, about homosexuality being a sin and the, the gay conflict that I had would have. And so um, the Holy Spirit was telling me that, that it's wrong to act that way, but I didn't have any understanding of what desires are and, and why I was desiring um, a relationship with a man physically. And um, so I lived as a gay Christian for many years. And um, throughout this time, I had a particular brother from the church that I got um, saved in. He continued to fellowship with me and love on me. And he was um, 
what I say is Jesus in the flesh. You know, even though I was living in a gay identified and in a relationship with a man, um, he continued to love me and he didn't break fellowship with me. And so one day he invited me to go down to the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. And um, and I took him up on the offer. I said, sure, I got nothing to do this weekend. So I went down there and we went to the prayer rooms there. And that's where he confronted um, my heart. <laughs> he really, he went straight to the chase and says, Darren, do you think you're you're gay? And I said, I don't know if I'm gay. I'm attracted to men and I don't know, you know, what to do with that. And I think God made me gay, but I don't know. And he says, well, you know, from what you've told me, it sounds like you do have a lust issue. And, and he said, you know, I'm tempted with lust, but God gives me the grace to not give into that lust because he's married and he had, um, he, he had presented it that it's just a lust issue. And so it, that really was an epiphany for me actually for the first time, just saying that actually you do have a choice with what you do and that God does give you the grace to not give into that temptation. And, and for once it, it made sense that we all are tempted, but we all have the same grace available to us. So I, so we prayed and I said, God, you know, if, if you don't want me to be gay, then you're going to have to break me up with my boyfriend because I was in a relationship that I found intimacy for the first time, like really close relationship. And I didn't want to let it go. And there was nothing in me that I could let it go. So I said, God, you're going to have to do it. And honestly, I think that that's a place where God needed me was to say that I couldn't do it. You know, I had tried to do it for quite a while. Um, and I couldn't. And so then my friend, uh, asked me, he says, well, if you were to get married or do you want to get married? I said, Oh, I've always wanted to be married and have kids. And he said, well, um, who would you want to marry? I said, well, there's this woman that I know, um, in my circle of friends, but she's dating a guy that I broke up with and she knows me as a gay identified man. So how, you know, I mean, of anybody that's who I'd want to marry. And so I said, God, you know, if, if you want me to be straight and, and if I can get married, then I want to marry Rhoda. And, and I prayed both of those prayers sincerely and, and with, as they say, a mustard seed of faith. <laughs> and, but it was sincere and I, I truly didn't know. And I just trusting God would take care of it. And so um, when I got home um, from the prayer meeting and I went home back to Minnesota, um, my boyfriend broke up with me when I got back. And so to me, that was, um, you know, an answer to prayer, though I was very double-minded because I was mad at God that he broke up with me, <laughs> that my boyfriend broke up with me. But I knew that I knew inside, you know, in your core that, that God answered a prayer right there. And um, to kind of speed up the story, um, I ended up uh, breaking that relationship ended and I rebelled for several months, but I did while I was rebelling, um, begin a relationship with Rhoda as a friend, uh, as a, as her boyfriend. And when I asked her to be my boyfriend, that's when I stopped, um, hooking up with guys. And then we got married, um, six months or yeah, six months later. And so I've been married since December 11th of 2005. And, um, I have a five-year-old son, and a four-year-old daughter. So that's our family of four. And um, through through that experience, um, my testimony continues where Rhoda married me as a gay identified man. Like she knew I was gay and and I didn't, I can say in clean conscience that I didn't marry my wife to straighten out. Mm -hmm. um, I met her, I saw her for the beautiful woman that she was and she was a diamond in the rough to me. And I'm like, you know what? God, you'll have to take care of the sexuality thing, but this is the woman I want to live with for the rest of my life. And I loved her and I married her for love and I didn't marry her for sex. And so um, coming into the relationship, I was addicted to gay porn. Um, and for seven years of my marriage, I was, I was still addicted to gay porn. And part of the problem in my Christian faith was that I didn't quite understand real grace um, the grace that I was working under, I would call it cheap grace right now, mm -hmm. or um, it's where you sin, you repent, you ask God for the strength to not sin again, rinse, repeat. And um, it was really a stressful seven years. And I had a brother that I met uh, two years into my marriage with Rhoda. Uh, we found a new church. And so we're in a home church. And two years into that home church, I met my best friend. And um, he he came alongside of me and uh, prayed with me every week for 
for five years <laughs> or actually seven years, but for five, for the first five years of praying, you know, he knew, he knew my struggles, but, um, he didn't judge me for it. He was just a brother who came alongside of me and befriended me and in the church. And he didn't have the answers, but he knew that Jesus did. And so through my struggles, he kept me pointed at Jesus. And when I was losing hope, you know, I, I got as bad as doing webcamming online with guys. And that was really hard and trying to pray against that sin. And, and, you know, for a while we, we had this 98% club, um, or a joke, you know, like we could only get to 98% purity it go for, or I, I could only get to 98% purity where I get to six months and then I would have a, a issue, you know, and it's so disheartening and it's so discouraging. And, um, on the seventh year of our marriage, I ended up cheating on my wife on a business trip and it was not prearranged. It was not, I did not plan to do that by any means, but it did happen. And, um, Satan kind of had loaded the revolver and pulled the trigger. And so after seven years of setting me up for that, um, I cheated on my wife. And that evening, um, Satan was laughing at me after the man left the room. And he told me that um, my son, who was in my wife's uh, womb at the time, so he was, um, wasn't born yet, but uh, we had had two miscarriages previously. And Satan said that um, the stress of what I just did to my wife would kill my son. And we would never have children. And then that she would leave me and that my marriage was over and that my best friend had been praying for me for five years and that relationship was over, that he was going to say, I'm done. And the church was going to kick me out and I had lost everything. And that was really um, hard. <laughs> and um, I cried my eyes out and I repented to God and I said, God, I know what I did is I broke my marriage vows and I sinned against God. And, um, and I know that Satan has all right, that this judgment is just and right in the sense that I've come under the law of sin and death and I don't have any right to that anymore. And I, I, I repented and asked God to forgive me. And I asked God to, if there was any mercy available to let this judgment pass. And um, so af after that evening, I flew home the next morning. I went straight to my pastor and uh, confessed my sin and shared that I was terrified that my son was going to die and everything I just told you. And, and this is where the cheap grace kind of comes in. And he says, well, you know, you confessed your sin, so you don't need to tell your wife, just don't do it again. And the Holy Spirit told me that that was bad advice and that I needed to go to my brother and talk to him. And so um, I ended up uh, a couple of days later uh, getting up the courage <laughs> to tell my best friend um, what I'd done to my wife. And um, he, he was a real solid friend. He said that he loved me and that he would help me get through this and that um, I needed to tell my wife. And, and I knew that I needed to tell my wife. I was just terrified. So he prayed with me. Um, to be able to share that with my wife. And then that weekend at church, um, my wife walked up to me and um, said that, you know, Darren, I, I didn't marry you because you're perfect, but because I love you. And I was like, wow, okay, God, here's your sign, right? And so I took my wife um, into a private room and I confessed what happened. And um, she, she said that, when she tells her side of the story, she'll say that um, when she saw me, she saw death on my face, that I was a dead man and that I had truly repented and that I was broken. And, um, and I was <laughs> at that week, I felt like the Holy spirit had lifted and, and, and I felt the wages of sin. I felt that death about me. And I told Rhoda, I said, I don't choose this life. I don't choose men over you. I choose you. And, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to, you know, to, to be right by you. And she said that when she saw me, she saw death and that she was convicted of her own sins. And God told her that you have the legal right to leave your husband. Um, but if you do that, you'll become, you will be living under the law and not grace. And she was convicted of her own sins and the love of God and the mercy of God fell on us right there and she received me back. 
And that was the first time in my life that I really felt tangibly mercy where I deserved worse than what I received. And, um, and that was a tangible thing. And so in that experience, we prayed and, and I told her that, you know, I'm going to take it to God. And, and I did. And that's when I said, God, everything that I've been doing before isn't working. And, you know, I believe in you. I'm trying to do the Christian walk, but something isn't right. And he led me to a book called A Covenant With My Eyes by Bob Sorge. And so I read that book and I made a covenant, which I put on my blog. And, and the covenant was really, um, God, when I see men that I know that I'd be attracted to, I'm going to look away. Or if I see something on TV, I'm going to look away. And God, that's all that I can do. You have to give me the grace to not look back to not go back to that. And, and so that was my covenant, more or less. And after a year of living in that covenant, God had orchestrated that my best friend took me to the gym. And I started working out and I lost a lot of weight and gained muscle. I saw my body change. Um, God also revealed a father wound, a mother wound, um, some sins that I was participating in, some lies that I had believed. And, um, some sins that were done against me and my identity as a man that I had to forgive others. So over a year while living in this grace covenant with this eye covenant, God did a bunch of healing. And one thing that he changed after that covenant was that I was no longer praying against the sin and saying, God help me to not sin. I said, God, I started praying who I am in God. Um, you know, that I'm coir with Christ, that I'm his beloved, that I can take shelter under his wing. And I started praying forward thinking prayers of who I am in Christ instead of focusing on the sin. And that's the enemy's tactic is to get me to focus on the on my past, right. which can't change. And so after this year, um, I realized, okay, God, when am I actually going to be set free of same-sex attraction? And God told me, well, go running outside in running shorts um, without your shirt on. <laughs> I was like, that's kind of silly. I said, really? He's like, yeah, do it. Excuse me. And um, so I went running in my shorts without my shirt on. And I got a block and I fell down on my knees and I started crying because I realized that God had set me free of my body shame and that it was broken off of me and that I wasn't attracted to men. I'd been going to the gym and I was able to look at men and say, wow, you know, if I've, I, I could walk up to men and say, what are you doing, you know, to make your arms look so big, you know, or whatever. Like I could look at men as brothers and not potential lovers, you know, and, and it had changed. And, and God revealed to me in that moment that I was set free. And um, shortly after that, I um, was struggling another area of my life and I said, God, you know, what kind of covenant, what book or covenant should I make to overcome this issue? And he said, my grace is sufficient. I said, yeah, I know. And you delivered me from this and you healed my same sex attraction. And, um, and so I want to walk in that kind of grace again in this other area. And he said, my grace is sufficient. And when God says something twice, you got to pay attention, right? And so I said, okay, God, what, what, what do you mean? And he says, Darren, when you took the eye covenant, you were dipping your toe in the ocean of grace to see if it was wet. That was for your benefit to test my grace. And God gave me the grace to let me do that. And he said, Darren, the entire ocean of grace is available to you for every area of your life. And that covenant that you're looking for is Jesus Christ. He is the new covenant. I believe that that was the moment that my identity in Christ was birthed. I mean, you know, I could say I was a Christian for 20 plus years, but it was that moment when I realized that Christ is my Lord. He is the one that he is the spirit of grace. He is the, the one it, you know, scripture says in Ephesians two ten that we are his workmanship. And I realized that, Everything, I mean, it's crazy when you look back and you say, I didn't do any of this. This is all God's work. And I'm just a recipient of his love and of his grace and of his mercy. And it's very humbling when you, mm -hmm. <laughs> when you, when you receive that he loves you that much and that you matter to him and that 
that Jesus does that. And so I received Jesus as my new covenant. And now I live in that knowing that when I struggle with temptation, that when I struggle with falling short, Jesus um, is, is my savior. He is the grace that I need to live according to, to the word. So. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I feel like I shouldn't say anything because that was so good. I gotta, I gotta, okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Cause I'm yep. my, uh, my mic. Yeah. So you know what I really appreciate about you, Darren? And I remember when you shared with me this privately, I cried during that testimony too, when you shared, you know, but you know what, honestly, this is how church should be done. Period. You know, I mean, I don't care. I don't care what the, the issue is people struggle with. But, you know, what we don't see a lot of is we don't see, you know, um, the self-examination because the Bible tells us to do that. We don't see the confession of our sin to one to another where it actually says if you confess your sin one to another, you'll be healed. Um, and we don't see that type of um, actual grace from believer to believer often because everybody likes to hide and think that they're all perfect. And, you know, it's interesting because I see, especially in the area of sexual sin, and I used to uh, be a, um, a therapist. I, I actually worked with sex addicts for a while. That was part of my training. Um, you know, and I've talked about issues here on the show numerous times, but you know, it, it's, there's something that happens when you come out of hiding. And isn't it ironic, because that's when, when Adam and Eve fell, that's the first thing they did was hide. And yet so much of the church today hides. You know, we don't want to be seen for the broken people that we are. Instead, we sing, you know, the three-chorus praise song, put on our Sunday best, and then people get on Monday or Saturday night do whatever the heck it is that they're going to do uh, and all that. So I appreciate your vulnerability, first of all, because I love it, and that's my favorite part about you just because, <laughs> um, and you have a soft heart, which, you know, is, I think, I think most people don't, you know, because especially in this issue, cause you know, Hey, you guys in the audience, just so you know, you know how much courage it takes to, to share all the stuff that he just shared, honestly, knowing that the enemies of God don't want to hear it, you know, and they could take some little pieces of what you just shared and said, ah, huh. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm, yep. See, yeah, you, you were a liar when you got married, you did this, blah, blah, blah. you're a hypocrite, right? I mean, that's what the enemy does, but what you just shared so greatly was what Jesus does and what his people do. Yeah. And it it's the love that Jesus demonstrates through his believers that changed me. It was my friend when I was living in the lifestyle um, that reached out to me and continued to, to carry on a relationship when other Christians and no judgment to them, pull, uh, you know, practiced um, Matthew 18, you know, which is, is right. um, it, it's totally biblical. And so, but he kept the fellowship going and encouraged me and loved me through it. And he led me to a place of faith that I could pray to get out. And then to have a brother come alongside of me non-judgmentally and um, befriend me even, you know, but that takes a really strong believer himself to be comfortable with someone, you know, who is struggling with same-sex attraction. Right. And, but he loved me through it and he encouraged me through it. And even though he didn't have the answers, you know, it was a journey that he was willing to go on. And that was seven years. I mean, that was five years of prayer before I messed, messed up in our, my marriage. And then two years after, you know, of working through the grace and, and, and the healing of that. And yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, and see, that's one thing that you, you just said too. And I just want to reiterate it is that you chose to work through the issue that you're struggling with instead of run from it. And it's not that you didn't run from it at some point because you just admitted that you had, but at the same time, you know, you actually chose to deal with the hard stuff. I mean, yeah. And you know, know Jesus, which is, which is hard. I mean, Jesus is worth, if Jesus is worth anything, he's worth everything. Right. And if he's not worth everything, he's not worth anything. You know, he, he either is the raisin savior and his grace either is available to us or it's not. And, I've found that 
when he says that you will be free and free indeed, it, when you're struggling through it, it is a faith walk to believe that Jesus is who Jesus says he is and that he will complete the work that he starts in you. And when I wanted to give up, you know, and when it got to webcamming, for instance, I was like, I'm totally lost. And my wife was like, dude, you better figure this out because you are hurting me and your time is running out. You know, and I go to my brother and I say, you know, this is where I'm at. He's like, okay, let's just keep praying and, you know, and trying to get at the, the underlying issues and never giving up because Jesus is worth it. And, you know, I went through, I mean, it is so degrading when you're having dreams of having sex with men and you don't want to do that. Like it, you know, that Satan would tell me, well, you really want dream. You really want to have sex with men because you're dreaming about it. And I'm like, no, no, I don't. I really don't desire that. And it, it's, it's an affront to who I am in Christ. I am a new creation. And, you know, God birthed a new creation and I'm going through the sanctification process and it's, it's not easy. It's open heart surgery without anesthesia. <laughs> you know, it's painful, but Jesus is there carrying you through it and is, you know, I had dreams in the, in the earlier years of being in a pit and it started out as quicksand. And then, you know, the dreams would progress over time and it got to the point and actually um, dreamt that I was in a pit and falling and I, I grabbed the boulders and, and I was reaching up and Jesus put his hand down and, and pulled me out. And in my dreams, he would rescue me each time. And, uh, you know, figuratively unhandcuffed me from the sin and I'd be set free, but then I would turn around and go back to my sin and, and take that crucified man off the cross over and over and how depressing and suicidal that makes you, you know, like is life even worth it with going through the struggle, but life is worth it because Jesus is worth it. And Jesus does um, deliver us from that. And, and all those airs that I was in of trying to pray against my sin when the victory has already happened, the victory is in Christ. He's already done it. And Satan's trick for five years to keep me focused on my past. And God turned me around to him. You know, when we turn away from our sins, it's, it's, it's also um, philosophically turning away from our sins or whatever the word is. You know, it's a, it's a mind job to, to just quit looking at your failures and start looking at the victories in Christ. And that is really when I started, because if you're, if you're filling your life with, with the darkness of your past and of your failures, that's your flesh. That's, that's dead. And so I, God turned me around and said, look at me, look at my son, Jesus. And, and when you look at the light that shines onto the dark areas of your life and they start falling off because the light can start revealing those, those lies. You know, I had um, in seventh grade, I, I got to date a girl for the first time and I asked her to, a, to the dance and she was in eighth grade. So I thought I'd really achieved something big. <laughs> and I went, I, um, I went to her house to pick her up for the dance and um, she told me to wait in her den. And so I was waiting downstairs and then her and her two girlfriends come down and they literally cornered me like, you know, the corner right here behind me, they cornered me and, and they berated me and said how stupid it was that I thought a girl would ever date me. You know, I was gay and, and no girl would ever date me and I was geek and you know, whatever. And they just berated me for, it felt like forever. And they finally let me go. And I ran all the way across town. I grew up in a small town. I ran all the way across town and I threw myself into my stepmom's lap, crying my eyes out and told her what happened. And she told me, well, I don't want to hear that. Go to your room. And so that was an, an identity that I took on was because my, my stepmother had an opportunity to say, no, those girls are wrong. You know, you aren't stupid and and you aren't worthless and, and, you know, those girls are just not the right girls for you kind of thing. And that someday I'd get married, you know. And so I took that on as, as part of my identity and my brain believed that, you know, I had to um, get over that and process it. And so the way I did it was I just said, well, girls aren't safe, you know. And so that was one of the, the broken areas of my life where I was sinned against and I had to forgive them. So God's when I came into the light with that, God told me I had to forgive. And, and I had to um, repent of believing that lie. And then I started praying who I am in Christ, that I am wonderfully and fearfully made, you know, and that God did create me a man. And, well, I'm married to a woman at the time, or now, you know. Right. And so clearly there is a woman for me. 
you know, and so there's there's all these broken areas and lies that God, when I was focused on the light, God was able to reveal. But for five years, I was focused on my sin and I had no opportunity to know about that brokenness. And so I, all I could say is the before and after experience of before looking at the darkness and how great the darkness was and being locked up there and how great Jesus is and how true his word is and that he is the great counselor and that he changed my heart. He gave me a new mind. And so, um, you know, and yeah. Yeah. So I could share a couple more. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so cool. I mean, you know, it's, you know, I have to tell you, it's very vulnerable and, um, I mean, I, I appreciate it. I just do because I understand personally from my own 15 years in recovery, uh, you know, dealing with sexual abuse issues that were perpetrated against me, but even more so growing up with a narcissistic mother who, uh, you know, made it all about her and protected my perpetrator over me. I mean, I get it. I get, um, I get the issues I get. I understand, um, I understand the process, you know, I really do. And I just have to say, you know, um, I think it was two weeks ago, two weeks ago, tomorrow, actually, uh, my therapist who became a friend of mine about 12, 13 years ago, after spending 15 years in therapy, she violated her rule of, uh, becoming friends with clients. Cause you know, that's kind of a no, no, you know, in, the in the therapy process. Um, and when I ended therapy with her and we transitioned out of that relationship, there was a big, huge fear for me that I would never see her again. Like, you know, this isn't going to, you know, she's, she's gone forever. <laughs> you know, she was here for a moment, then gone. Um, and then Randall and I moved here to Tennessee out of the state, which also made it like, now there's no way I'm ever going to get to see her. And yet two weeks ago, she came here and told me she was here. And I saw her and I was like, oh, awesome. yes. And you know what? It was a sad circumstance. Something happened right before uh, we went to see her. She was having a really hard time. But that meeting was like there was no time that had passed. It was completely like like seeing my sister, you know, and all that. And she's a devout believer as well, you know, and all that. But that's a person who who could testify to back then compared to now. You know, and one of the things she said, and I feel like I'm making this a little bit about me because I am, but it's only because I can identify. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the things she said to me was, she said, isn't it weird to have fans? You know, you never thought that people liked you. Now look what God's done. Well, you're the lovable host. <laughs> uh, because God, <laughs> you know, that saying, but God, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's the way it absolutely. is. When people uh, wrote me off, but God, you know, that's when right. people said that I wouldn't have a family, but God, you know? Yep. All right. Well, I actually see there's a, there's a, a question that came, came in from uh, Danielle and I think you should, you know, if you want to answer it and then we got to take our little break and then I want to, um, we're going to talk about the freedom March Darren was at too. We got to yeah. testify to that. But Danielle says, I have a son addicted to porn. And, um, obviously I think that there's a question inherent in that. Um, do you have any, do you have any, um, you know, thoughts on that? I mean, I could share a sure. couple of thoughts. Uh, um, my first thought is, you know, does the son want to be set free of porn? Is it something that he enjoys or is it something that is antithetical to his beliefs? And it's a, a behavior. It's an addiction that he doesn't want. He wants to get out of it. So if he wants to get out of it, then, um, <clears throat> you know, um, co uh, Covenant Eyes is an app that can help um, find um, their... Well, it's an addiction. So, you know, there's a lot of options. You, you can go to your pastor and find a prayer partner, your accountability. So I did accountability, right? And um, the accountability partner is a great process. And, um, but you have to participate and you have to have the courage. And, and I think part of accountability is that you have somebody that you know loves you and isn't, you're not going to feel shame that, you know, my, my brother that I was friends with, or that, you know, my best friend that, was with me for five years through this, through that struggle. I knew that he loved me and I was not afraid of sharing my shame with him when I would go online and, and not call him when I was tempted, you know, cause you, you want to call when you're feeling tempted and, and you, you learn what your triggers are, you know, is it late night? Is it when you're stressed or what is it? 
and and so having an accountability partner that you know you can trust and you have to do your side of it um you have to um trust your partner that he's you know there for you and and will be there so yeah covenant eyes um the book covenant with my eyes by bob sorge uh depending on how old and mature he is as a christian would be a good read yeah um, he's not a believer she said no he doesn't oh, want help believer. he's not a believer yeah. and he, he doesn't want help apparently um then yeah well in that case <laughs> rewind um <laughs> then it's prayer because you my prayer for your son would be that God would grant him repentance and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Yep. Um, because without that, the, he's not going to know the depth of death that he's involved in. And I believe that uh, addiction to porn or acting out in porn is a coping mechanism. It's a maladapted practice, you know, to throw out a term that I'm not a psychologist, but it's, it's, it's a, behavior tied to a brokenness you're, you're covering up something and for me there was a lot of stuff that um god revealed why i was doing that and unless he wants help you know the only thing that we can do as parents is pray and um lovingly share as the lord leads truths about porn um and maybe testimonies about people being set free of porn or even um, testimonies of people that were in the porn industry that came out and came to Christ and talk about the damage. Because, I mean, one angle you could go with the non-believer is that porn harms the actors. You know, it's it's a sex trade. And, um, you know, if you're trying to find humanity in it, it's just not there. It, or, I'm sorry. Right. It, you, That's it's true. Not, yeah. There, there, there's humans on the other side of that. And it's, that's not that's not what humanity is meant for um, right. is for that degrading stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, as I will speak as somebody who was not only a victim of pornography, but um, I was, it was used in, in my abuse when I was a child. And I can tell you that it took too long to get the images out of my head. I'll just say that, you know, and there are still thoughts occasionally I'll go, uh, you know, I just have to go, mm -hmm. are you serious? I'm 50 years old. This happened 40 years ago. And I'm just going to say, <laughs> you know, get out of here. Um, and what yeah, I will, Satan comes knocking on the door. Yeah, I mean. As the Holy a, Spirit, no more. <laughs> right. As a child, though, I mean, as a child, I mean, I, I shared, you know, and I've shared this before on my show. I struggled with masturbation as a teenager and I became a Christian and it was a compulsive habit for years. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until I actually got in recovery. And the reason it was, was because that was how I was abused initially. That was how my perpetrator introduced me to sex with him, you know, was through that thing as a child. So it's like, okay, well, our society makes fun of it. And says, oh, who cares? Everybody does it, blah, blah. <laughs> you know what? That might be true. It doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean that you should. You know, and I can tell you, you know, I don't, not now, you know, I mean, there have been definite breaks in that, in that issue with me, but it took having to deal with it, wanting to deal with it and understanding why, you know, cause what you were talking about, there's, there's issues where, well, there's always issues. There always is an issue <laughs> and whether or not you want to deal with the issue is debatable. It's like, well, I don't really know. You know, I'm not really sure I want to deal with this type of addiction or whatever the, the particular reason is. Um, but I tell you what, when you yeah. do, then you have, you have freedom that really, you know, in a, in a way it's kind of sucker punching the devil because it's like, you know what, you little twit. Beals above, you know, <laughs> it's like, I have had it with you and I'm just going to tell you be gone. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just yeah, like and the, the addiction itself, you know, because there are underlying issues, you have to address that. And in my experience with Jesus addressing it, um, you know, I tried to quit porn by praying against it, but that wasn't, you know, like I said, many times I'm, it's about praying who we are in Jesus, but as Jesus um, reveals who we are in him and starts healing us of it. There is a lot of forgiveness and repentance and it, it, it takes an amount of um, willful volition yep. to push forward through that. It hurts. Well, it hurts. It's, and it's also allowing the Holy Spirit to 
put in you this, you know, self-control, which is part, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we yeah. don't like to talk about that one. We talk about the love, the joy, the peace one. But when it comes down to self-control or the scripture, when it talks about, you know, resist the devil and he will flee from you and the whole idea of temptation, there is a way out. You know, God, and it drives me nuts when people say this. They always say, God will never put you through more than he can, than you can handle. That's, that's not true. The Bible says mm-hmm. he will not tempt you beyond what you can bear. And that everybody, you know, that there are others who've gone through the same out. type of, yeah, mm-hmm. temptation and get, get a way of escape. So it's the idea of temptation. We don't talk about that, but you have to. Uh, like one of the first things I learned in my therapy was because when I initially went into therapy, Darren, I, I know you already know this, but, you know, I thought I was gay. And I was like, you know, that's why I went to therapy because I was like, OK, am I gay? You know, I like this friend of mine and it freaked me out. And I'm like, OK, because <laughs> I knew it was incompatible with my faith and what my therapist, not the one I was just talking about, but the, the first one I had, what she did was she taught me some boundaries. She taught mm-hmm. me about okay, this is what a healthy relationship looks like. You have to, you know, look at, well, this is, you know, this is how how you are in a relationship. You don't have to spill your guts first time you meet everybody. You don't have to tell them your whole life story, you know. Uh, You don't have to do this, this, and this, you know. Just take it in little steps, you know. (laughs) Because you don't know unless you're taught, you know. Don't even get me started. But You know, one thing that, I can say in hindsight now is that I didn't know how to wrap my emotions around my relationships with men just because I do wear my heart on my sleeve and I care about people. I'm not athletic or competitive and I'm sensitive and I don't, I don't believe in, you know, jabbing guys, you know, harsh joking. I just, it's not my character. Not mine either. I, I, you know, people would say, well, I'm just not a guy or something. I'm more like a girl, but now that I've had healthy male relationships in the Christian context with like with my best friend, and then I compare that to my relationship with my boyfriend, I now know where those boundaries were stepped over. And, and now I know that I have a friendship of intimacy with my best friend, but it's, it's, it's a, um, it's a, there, you know, in, in scripture, there's different types of love. There's agape, phileo, uh, eros, and the other one, um, Anyways, so, you know, the brother of the love, the phileo love, you know, the love of your brother, you can have that. That doesn't go into Eros, which is sexual romantic love. And and when you put that boundary there, your relationship is safe and you're able to pray and cry on each other's shoulder. And it doesn't become romantic. It becomes iron sharpening iron. It becomes David and Jonathan. Right. You know, and so when I've had that relationship, I can now look back and see why I was um, living the way I was in, in, uh, with my boyfriend and, and what attracted me to that relationship and what I wanted. And now that I have a wife and I know where my boundaries are as God created me, you know, and said, this is, this is how you'll find life. If you have these boundaries, um, with men and, and with women, and this is how you relate with arrows to your wife. And this is how you relate to your brother, you know, um, with brotherly love and, and second Peter, um, one five through seven talks about adding to your faith virtue virtue knowledge knowledge believe self-control and and brotherly love is in there is next um and so it talks about learning brotherly love and that's something that isn't taught how to relate to men in that way like you know at least in the culture i grew up in it's like oh you know men don't cry and stop crying you're acting like a pansy and you know, right. don't hug me. And, you know, guys sit stoically side by side watching football and, you know, yeah. or whatever. And so that just wasn't me. And so nobody in my life was speaking to the healthy side of it. You know, I wanted um, a Cabbage Patch doll for Christmas. And my dad said, boys, don't get dolls. Well, he didn't ask me why I wanted a Cabbage Patch doll. I want a Cabbage Patch doll because when my sister and I played house, she had all the dolls to be a mommy and I didn't have a doll to be a dad. And I just wanted to be a dad. You know, wanting to be a dad is a perfectly normal thing. Right. And I wanted to play that role. But my dad shut me down and called me a pansy. And, you know, only girls have dolls. And so when your father is speaking that into you and you're, you know, nine years old, you that's what you believe. And that's one of those areas that God's healed me from. And so now I I know as a father, you know, and I have kids and and God keeps ministering to me through my own family. Sure and, and my and my wife and and just taking me back to 
false beliefs and it's a sanctification process that will be coming until Jesus comes back. Right. Know? Well, it's it's amazing as you peel back the onion layers, you know, poor onions. We always talk. <laughs> we always bring them into conversations. <laughs> That's why they make us cry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. Bad joke. That was bad, <laughs> bad, bad, very bad. Anyway, but it's true. It really is true. You know, it is. And for me, you know, I was, I was, my mom cut my hair really short. I can show you pictures. I will never make them public. But when I was a little girl, I had that, that square haircut, really super short hair. And I was called a boy all the time. And that's why you will never see me with short hair. I don't, I don't like short hair on women. Uh, You know, my mom didn't want a girl. So she shamed the femininity you know, in me Mm -hmm. so that, you know, I grew up to be a tomboy. I could kick anybody's butt in the neighborhood. I could take on any boy in any sport. Um, I was super athletic. I could skateboard like you would not believe. I could jump over people on my bike. I was super awesome as a kid. I even won the free throw contest, you know, for, for basketball. I know I'm super athletic looking, but, but (laughs) I had two brothers and I was in between. So um, naturally I grew up to be a a tomboy, right? Because you didn't fit the rigid stereotypes of gender. No. You were a, a female that was very athletic and, and talented that way. Yeah. And, and my mom, I don't think, was super feminine. I mean, she she kind of in retrospect, I think she was more feminine than I thought. But, but she wasn't the type of feminine that I wanted to emulate because, you know, she just wasn't, you know. I mean, so anyway. Mm-hmm. So we are like literally nine minutes away from the show ending. Oh, goodness. So <laughs> we talked a lot. Okay. So, uh, okay. So let me, let me thank our sponsor really, really quick. And, uh, um, Randall, do we have anything after the show that we need to, I mean, can we go over a little bit? Would that be okay? I've got an appointment, but at what time? At, uh, five. You do? Yeah, I do. Uh-oh. Okay. All right. So we're going to have to end the show on time then, Darren, just so you know. Okay. So we want to thank Ariel Ministries, yeah, for, we do. first of all. Uh, Ariel Ministries is uh, um, offering Camp Shoshana School of Messianic Jewish Studies. There you see all the info on the screen. Don't forget, you can go to campshoshana.com. They're still looking for uh, a cook. So if you know anybody who can cook for a camp for a couple of weeks and can go to camp for free, and they want to spend some time in upstate New York in the Adirondack Mountains. And it is a paid position. It's a paid position. Plus, you get to do everything else there for free. They'll put you up in the cabin. They'll pay for your food. You'll have to cook it. But still, you'll have to cook everybody else's food, too. <laughs> anyway, get in touch with me. Let me know, okay? Because uh, uh, I can give you the um, contact info. And then don't forget also, ariel.org, you can use our coupon code Bible News whenever you buy anything in the store there. It's a permanent, per- permanent discount for our viewers. And don't forget, uh, if you want to donate to our show, because we're doing something that a lot of people are too afraid to do, uh, biblenewsradio.com forward slash give. Uh, you can donate there, become a pillar of our community. I hope you do. I love all you guys. I know that you, uh, those of you who give all the time, I, I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me. You have no clue how much we need the support because we super need it. So I appreciate that. And also Legal Shield. Today, by the way, I happen to want a purse. How cool is that? <laughs> um, but Legal Shield uh, is awesome. If you want to get connected with legal insurance, very affordable, 25 bucks a month. Uh, you can learn more at bit.ly forward slash L-O-J 2019 right there. You see that? Rare it is, people. Just go there. <sighs> you can go there. Learn more Just or just send me a message. We'll get you protected with some identity theft protection too. By the way, Quest Diagnostics, they just had a major breach. Yeah, in case you didn't know that. We'll talk about that more tomorrow. All right, so Darren Mel is with us for a few more minutes. <laughs> he actually is the president of Voice of the Voiceless, and he shared his very vulnerable testimony today. But he was also recently at the Freedom March in Washington, D.C. Of course, we don't have much time to talk about that, but Darren, go ahead. Tell us what happened there. Sure. Uh, Freedom March, uh, <laughs> you can see their website, freedomtomarch.com. And it, it, it was a movement started last year by Jeffrey McCall. And it is the former uh, LGBT identified individuals who have come to Christ uh, sharing their testimonies. And so the format is worship testimony, worship testimony uh, for uh, three and a half hours and then a march. Um, And then the march is just marching around uh, the DC mall area. 
And so we had probably 200 people there uh, this year. Last year is about 80. So we more than doubled. And um, it was a great time of fellowship to um, get, get to, um, honestly, to get to hug and, and talk to people face to face that we're friends online. And, um, you know, we support each other in groups and we pray for each other and to be able to uh, encourage people. Um, with our testimonies and give glory to Jesus, um, that we are his workmanship, that Jesus is alive, that he does work in people and that change is possible. Um, it's honestly, it's a countercultural um, message in the sense that um, people say that you're born gay and you can't change. And um, there's a whole bunch of people right there in that picture. Um, that's the Freedom March banner and that we walked behind that and um, sharing Jesus and so uh, it started last year in D.C., and then they went to L.A. That picture is actually from L.A. And then we just did D.C. again this year. We're doing Minnesota uh, June 23rd, and then we're going to do Freedom March in Orlando in September. And so it's uh, a growing movement, and it's um, it, it, it's simply prayer, uh, praise and worship and sharing our testimony. Yeah, see, that's so cool. And did the liberal media cover it? very much um yeah there there was a little bit of coverage um uh, quite a bit of coverage in the christian um organizations you know christian post life site news uh christian headlines christianity today charisma news um the, the christian organizations covered it really well it i did see uh getting coverage in nbc um and then there actually was a documentary crew there documenting documenting it um, through the eyes of Jeffrey, the founder of Freedom March. And so um, they were there. And there was also a French organization there um, re recording the Freedom March. So I, I don't know wh where those are going to land um, in in media. But no, there wasn't, you know, ABC, CNN, Fox News. None of them were there. Of course um, not. Yeah, no. Um, because, it, you know, our narrative is that change is possible and that desires can change and that's antithetical to the current culture's messaging of, well, it's pride month, you know, that you're born gay and, um, or you're, you're a woman in a man's body or a man in a woman's body that you're transgender. And, um, and really it, the message of Christ, that that's what we're sharing is that Jesus, anybody can exchange any identity that you're in. If you're a drug dealer, if you're an adulterer, if um, you're an abuser, if you're a womanizer, um, if you're a serial killer, um, or, or homosexual or transgender, you can exchange those identities for an identity in Christ as the disciple that he is, he does forgive and that he does justify and sanctify. That's, you know, Amen. that's the Christian message. So, <clears throat> so I have a question. You want to come back again? Anytime. Absolutely. <laughs> I would love to come back. I think we need to have you back again. What do you guys think in the chat room? We want to have him back, right? I hope so. Uh, yeah, and we and I know that there was some, you know, lagging over on Periscope, but hopefully some people will have caught a lot of this on YouTube and Twitch and wherever else uh, this will happen. Yeah, they're saying they want to come. They, yeah, there's their yeses. You know, the heart behind the movement, the Freedom March and the Change Movement is providing the hope and the truth. And there are people like us that are going through the struggle. I didn't have somebody with the, the experience. I didn't know that there was an ex-gay community when I was going through my struggle. And, and so we want to be out there to provide people the hope because there's a lot of people giving up and there's families that have children that are struggling this way. And we want to testify and be a witness to who Jesus is and Jesus's character and, and the power of Jesus. So I hope that we can encourage people through this. I think you have. All right. So voice of the voiceless is at dot org or dot com. It's actually dot info. So voice of the voiceless dot info. Okay. So you guys write that down as another resource voice of the voiceless dot info. Go there. Okay. And I'm kind of bummed we have to end this on time. Can you believe that? The nerve of my husband having an appointment at five o'clock. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, Darren, thanks Time for being. Flies when you're having fun. Yeah, hey, but thanks for being my guest. Thanks for coming on and and representing, you know, uh, a greater percentage than the actual homosexual community out there 
of people who walked away and have been, you know, you have your journey, you know, it wasn't instantaneously. They can't say pray the gay away because that's not what happened with you. And that's not what happens with most people, by the way. (laughs) It's their stupid marketing that that drives me nuts. But anyway, um, you're real. You're on another show. Yeah. You're transformed and uh, and you're you're a disciple of Christ. That's a it's a very cool thing. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Okay, everybody. We will have Darren back. Don't worry. Don't worry, people. All right. And I'll be back tomorrow. You've already been warned. (laughs) So be bold, people. Stand up and go with God because he loves you.